We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. I got second four. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We gonna line up. We gonna play. Tighten up, baby. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, is Justin Mello, recording tonight, Tuesday evening. Justin, how's it going? I'm doing well, man. We got a, a, an interesting game to recap in the New Orleans Saints one, and, uh, and one to, I guess you say, look forward to against the Houston Texans. That's that's right. We are going to look at this game. The Titans won to make it six straight wins for this team. They are on a roll. The longest active win streak in the NFL. Some would argue the hottest team in the NFL. We'll recap that and then we'll preview the upcoming divisional game against the Texans. The first of two against what is maybe the worst team in the NFL. But first, a little bit of news. We saw it happen in the game. Bud Dupree left in the first quarter of the Titans game very early on and was immediately ruled out. And we learned today, I believe it was Jeremy Fowler who said it's not a serious injury. They're still doing some tests to determine the severity. He might miss a little bit of time, but nothing that will end his season or put his season in jeopardy or anything like that. So good news on Bud Dupree front. Yeah, I mean, another thing, too, is that they made some roster moves on both Monday and Tuesday, which I think we will recap here in a minute. But uh, that did not include Dupree going on injured reserve. Right. So I think that's typically a good sign uh, or it's obviously a good sign. I I was concerned, you know, when he left the game, it was one snap. I think it's his first play of the game uh, where he got hurt. They ruled him out almost immediately with an abdomen injury. I mean, all all the signs kind of point to this is not good. (laughs) You know what I mean? So especially an abdomen. I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, but how many things can, can happen with the abdomen? It, it seems like it could have been serious, right? You could tear it and whatnot. And for it to happen first play, get ruled out immediately, certainly seems concerning, but he's not on injured reserve. We got that good news from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Um, so hopefully this guy's day to day and maybe he just has to miss a game or so. Yep. That's the best case scenario. You'd really hope to have him back in two weeks against New England. Titans on Monday waved tackle Bobby Hart and defensive lineman Amani Bledsoe. Bledsoe has been on and off the roster a few times. Bobby Hart obviously came and played for Taylor Lewan against the Rams, but didn't play particularly well. Kendall Lamb was still out. Anything to read into here? There's a chance Bledsoe comes back on the practice squad, right? Yeah, I mean, with Hart, I think it's, who are we kidding? It's a no-brainer, right? He's been quite poor. Uh, he hasn't been a very good player throughout his entire career. So no surprise to see that the stint here in Tennessee went poorly. Luan and Lamb are healthy again. Thank God for that. They are your first and second string left tackles. Uh, and of course, you have Dylan Radins there, should they ever decide to actually play him at tackle. Um, uh, with Bledsoe, you know, it, it's interesting because I think it comes down to a numbers game because I thought he was actually playing pretty well 
here in this uh, could be what a seventh or eighth stint <laughs> potentially in Tennessee, if you go through all the transactions, but I thought he was playing well, but look, obviously, you know, no one's going to, you know, take off Jeffrey Simmons or Dina Coatry, but then you get into how well TR Tart has played. You get into how well Kyle Pico played on Sunday in his first game as a Titan uh, with limited opportunities. You get into Naquan Jones and how well the undrafted free agent has played, got his first career sack on a lovely pass rushing move uh, against new Orleans. So uh, this is a deep D line you got Laurel Murchison, who obviously is back healthy and providing quality depth there as well. So this is an incredibly deep defensive line. And to me, it just comes down to a numbers game. It didn't have room for Bledsoe, but strikes me as the kind of guy where if one of these guys gets hurt, uh, Bledsoe is right back in Tennessee. I totally agree. And while we are on the topic of the defensive line, Derek Roberson was activated from uh, or was yeah, it was activated to return to the, he's back on the NFL. Sorry, he's back on the Titans active roster. They also signed Dylan Cole, who forced the fumble on the, the kickoff, the second half opening kickoff against the Saints to the active roster. And Cody Hollister has been added to the team's practice squad. Those were Tuesday's moves. Nothing really jumps out as notable to me there, except that maybe you get Derek Roberson some snaps with Bud Dupree out against Houston this weekend. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, you, you never want to get into taking teams lightly or, uh, you know, resting players and stuff for, you know, for because you're going to take a team like Houston lightly. But I have to say, man, it, it seems like an opportune week for Derek Roberson to play a healthy amount of snaps. You know, you got Dupree dealing with the with the abdomen, obviously, that we touched on. Uh, don't forget Ola Adaini. Um, you know, he played and he finished, but he was banged up throughout that contest. I think he was down, what, twice? I think he, it, was. it was cramps. So, it was cramps. So he should cramps, be totally but I mean, fine. I, I mean, regardless, I, I don't think you, you know, if again, you're not going to have Dupree. Um, do you want a Danny playing hundred percent of snaps in this game? I, I think it's an opportune moment for, for Roby to get back into that rotation and, and apply some pressure on the Texans quarterback on the topic of Dylan Cole. Uh, maybe I'm a nerd, but how can you not be happy for the guy? Undrafted free agent, four-year pro out of Missouri state was with Mike Vrabel. Uh, in Houston when Vrabel was the defensive coordinator there and a linebackers coach. Uh, You got to be happy for him. He forces that fumble in the second half, made the most of his opportunity, and now he's on the active roster. And and what about Cody Hollister, a familiar face and name, a guy that has spent time in Tennessee 2019 and 2020, and I believe was in training camp with them throughout the early portion here of 2021, but suffered an injury really early in camp. And I think they waived him once he uh, cleared up uh, past the physical, that is. So uh, shout out to Cody Hollister. Nice to have him back on the practice. Clearly they like him, right? I mean, it's the third year in a row they brought him back. So they see something in him. Mike Vrabel likes him. Yeah, no doubt about that. So that will do it for the news. Let's talk about this win. The Titans scrape out the victory over the Saints 23-21, although, to be honest, it never really felt like a game that was that close, Um, at least in the second half. The Titans opened the second half with that fumble recovery I mentioned on the kickoff and scored a touchdown a few plays later to make it 20-6. to And from there... They got pretty conservative. Let's start with just overall takeaways from this win. Again, the sixth straight for the Titans and the fifth straight against a playoff team from 2020. Yeah, I mean, another excellent performance from the defense. I'm not even sure what to start with here. Uh, For the most part, I mean, yeah, Simeon did have some success and 
think there are a couple plays they would obviously like to have back. The Traquan Smith touchdown that kind of fooled Jack Rabbit Jenkins on the play action fake. You had the right. uh, the Mark Ingram touchdown. I think it was, it was a wheel route, I believe he ran right, and he beats Jayon Brown. Kind of disappointing when you know Brown being your your top coverage linebacker. You'd like to see him be able to keep up with a veteran like Mark Ingram that is not exactly known for uh, his at least in this day and age his ability to catch the football and make plays in the open field. So uh, I think there are a few plays you'd like to have back. But all in all, another really strong performance by the defense. Absolutely, and. You just look at the sack numbers. The Titans continue to pressure the quarterback. They had four sacks in this game. Jeffrey Simmons had two more after having three in the game on Sunday night against the Rams. And of course, Harold Landry had another sack that continues his streak of having at least half a sack in, what is it, like six or seven straight games now? He had half a sack against the Rams and at least one in every other game on this winning streak. So over the last six games, Landry has eight sacks. Simmons has seven that is um, tied for first in the league amongst that time frame for Landry and then second in the league for Jeffrey Simmons, or I guess fourth, because there's two other players with eight sacks. So this Titans D-line, uh, Landry and Simmons are actually the only two, the Titans, excuse me, are the only team with two players in the top 10 in total sacks this season, of course. The Titans have not had their bye yet, so there is the caveat there that they've played one more game than some of these other players, but... That being said, they're the only team with two guys in the top 10. And it's been the story of the season so far is the rejuvenated pass rush. It's what we needed to see coming into the year. It's what we've seen so far. And if the Titans can keep it up again, they get to play against the Texans now who have not as good an offensive line as the Saints or the Rams and a worse quarterback than at least the, the Rams and some of the other teams they played on this winning streak. So you'd hope to see the sacks continue to pile up at least in this next game against Houston. Yeah, if I was going to make the argument for Houston, and I'm not going to make a very strong one, I would say that at least Tyra, uh, Tyrod Taylor is not a statue in the pocket, right? Whereas Matt Stafford and Trevor Simeon are not going to challenge you much uh, with getting out of the pocket and, and creating with their legs. So Taylor does represent a different challenge in that aspect. Well, you're right. That O-line is, is banged up. It's not very talented to begin with. And Tennessee should have some set, uh, some success getting in the backfield. What can you say about Simmons and Landry? I mean, five sacks for Simmons in the last two games. As an interior defender, it's almost unheard of, right, for a guy like that to be getting after the quarterback as consistently as he is. On the topic of Harold Landry, you're going to let me rant for a second. Uh, it should have been two sacks in that game because right. you'll remember that third down hold, that phantom uh, hold call on Chris Jackson. Um, Landry had a sack on that was third down. So that was going to force fourth down and a field goal attempt, which by no means is a guarantee they would have made given um, the woes that the kicker was experiencing throughout that contest. So, and, and on another topic, everybody is complaining about the roughing call and I don't like it either. And I'm sure you and I will get to it, but I'm surprised it's being brought up so frequently well, you know, it's probably because that's the one that makes the highlight reels and the replays. But that Chris Jackson hold on third down, that was an equally terrible call. That was an awful call. That's third down. The Titans got a sack on the play, got off the – should have gotten off the field, I guess I should say. And it comes back and New Orleans scores a touchdown, right, because of it. So uh, that call to me was equally as terrible and it robbed Harold Landry of another sack. I totally, totally agree. And um, No Flags Film, the Twitter account, had this uh, – I don't remember exactly. Was Kevin Byard also called for a hold in this game? Yes, or sometime he was. In the drive? He was. Yes. He had two penalties, but the helmet to helmet was terrible. 
but he also had actually, it was a, I actually got it in my notes here. It was a defensive hold on third and goal late in the fourth quarter. So it made it first and goal. Right. So, right. And, well, and it was, it was the second last scoring drive for the saints. The one that got them back in it to begin with, it was on right, that right. drive. So and it was a terrible what's crazy, call. What's crazy about that one. So no flags film had this, tweet and it was a really weak call i mean kb kb maybe put his hand on the guy's waist for half a second the chris jackson one was what the one where the receiver just like flopped and straight up fell down which was also disgusting but um no flags film had this tweet apparently the roughing the passer penalty that was called against the titans which everyone in the media seems to be making such a big deal about how impactful that was and the saints would have won this game if not for horrible officiating well that play actually only added 1% win percentage and 0.4 expected points added for the Titans. That BS roughing the passer call. Meanwhile, the call, the call against Kevin Byard resulted in 2.0 expected points added for New Orleans and a minus a drop of 3% in Tennessee's win percentage. So 0.4 EPA compared to 2.0 EPA plus one win percentage compared to minus three win percentage. I'm I'm tired of people complaining so much about these these the officiating and hearing about how this roughing the passer penalty was so egregious and the Titans wouldn't be on a win streak if not for this one crazy insane passing or roughing the passer penalty. But it's like, come on! I mean, by the letter of the law, by the rule book, it was a penalty. He touched Tannehill's helmet. Sure, it's a weak call. It's a soft call. It's a call you can hate. But what you're hating there is the rule. You're not hating the call itself. And a lot of people are confusing this all over the place. So sorry, rant over, but that is driving me crazy, especially when you look at the fact that it was just a poorly officiated game all around. It wasn't like the Titans received some major benefit from the bad officiating. It was just bad for both sides. It was. I, I, I'm not going to hide from the call. I hated the call. I understand your the roughing that is. I understand your argument that um, it's the correct application of the rule. I, I, you're, you're right on that, but I don't even care. I hate the call so much. I will, I will flat out say it was a, it's an awful call, and I would like to see it uh, not be called in any game going forward. But um, I agree. But yeah, absolutely. But the, those three calls against the Titans, man, the hold on, on Jackson, the hold on Byard, and, um, and the helmet-to-helmet on Byard, just terrible, all terrible, all around terrible. So it, we knew what to expect, didn't we? Let's be honest, Fred, with this crew. We complained all week leading up to the game with that crew. We know that that crew is a nightmare, right? And you want nothing to do with them. And and we got exactly what we expected from them. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the, I mean, a few more stats for the defense here while while we're talking about them. The New Orleans offense, we talked before the, on our podcast last week about the rushing attack and what we expected. And you had all the stats about how many times running backs are, carrying the ball against the Titans. Well, including Taysom Hill's three carries, which he, I mean, it's basically like a wildcat formation because the, he's just a running back playing quarterback for the saints in their current iteration of this offense. So I'm going to count those rushes. The saints only had 21 carries by running back or by non quarterback Taysom Hill, whatever, you know what I mean? They had 21 rush attempts in the game. So you were expecting that maybe they'd hit 25, Mark Ingram only had 14 carries for 47 yards. I mean, he was not ineffective with the ball. The Titans did a decent job of stopping him. He did have um, four catches for 61 yards, including the touchdown and that wheel route along the left sideline against, I think, Jayon Brown in coverage. But for the most part, 
the Titans have done a, a good job again at forcing the other team to become one dimensional and a 20 to six lead is a huge part of that. But I think the saints got away from what they wanted to do on offense here and put the ball in Trevor Simeon's hands, which, I mean, he played pretty well in the second half. He made a lot of good throws, but you know, that wasn't new Orleans preferred way to try to play offense in this game, right? No, it certainly wasn't. And I wonder how much falling down, uh, you know, uh, falling behind 20 to six had to do with that. Right. So early in the third quarter, because you know, with, with the injuries they have at quarterback at receiver that they really want to play ahead, right. They want to stay ahead of the sticks. They want to run the ball. So let's talk about the offense now because they struggled again. Ryan Tannehill, 19 of 27, 213 yards passing one touchdown passing. He also had the rushing touchdown. Uh, I believe it was just a one yard or maybe a two yard run there to get in the end zone. The Titans only rushing touchdown again, the running backs more or less struggled Foreman and Peterson combined for 19 carries for 51 yards. Jeremy McNichols added four carries for seven yards. So the rushing attack, not there. A.J. Brown, only four targets, just one catch for 16 yards. He did have a seven-yard carry, and he recovered a fumble that was a pretty big play down there late in the game. But I want to get, I want to gauge your concern level for this offense because on the one hand, they don't have Derrick Henry and Julio Jones, and we saw them early in the year against the Jets, for example, when they didn't have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, and against the Colts in the second half early in the season when they didn't have A.J. and Julio. And the offense struggled for the most part. I mean, they did end up scoring 24 points against the Jets, but for the most part, they struggled. They end up scoring 23 points against the Saints. They did um, have a nice, I mean, it, the scoreboard looked good against the Rams, but same kind of deal in these last two games where the defense is setting up short fields. Kevin Byard had a pick six in one game. They had the um, the fumble recovery deep in Saints territory in this game. So there's, it's tough to gauge because, They've also played two really good defenses who have really good fronts that are tough to run against. Even if the Titans had Derrick Henry, they would have struggled to run the ball, I think, in these last two games. So where do you come down right now looking at this offense 2-0 without Derrick Henry, but two games that don't inspire a ton of confidence? Yeah, I think you kind of hit a lot of nails on the head there. Um, and, and I'll touch on a couple of those points as well. But I think you would be naive to not be at least a little concerned. I mean, you know, it's, you're right. The, the two good defenses is what kind of gives me pause because those are two really good defenses and it'll be a great test this Sunday against Houston, right? If it looks bad again, against, against the Texans, then I think you should, you should definitely be concerned as of now I am skeptical and I am worried. Look, 229 yards of offense per game over the last two games. And yes, part of that has to maybe do with the offense setting up short fields and, and the pick six, you know, Bayard gets the pick six against the Rams. And you have David Long have that interception, set him up in the five yard line. Like there have been a lot of those situations lately, right? Where the defense has given them short fields and the, the fumble on the kickoff return against the Warriors that Dylan Cole forced. So uh, it has made it, it's a good problem to have, right? You love getting turnovers and you love having short fields. It has made it a little bit difficult to gauge, but from what I've seen in terms of, you know, when they've gotten the ball on their own 25 and whatnot, from just, you know, regular kickoffs, punt returns, whatever. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to march down the field and score without Derrick Henry and Julio Jones. And look, that's fair. That's the, you know, we knew they entered the season relatively top heavy, right? They got three monsters, and two of them are out right now, right? So when two of them are out, you're probably going to struggle. But 
at the same time, we can't just sit here and say that and pretend like it's okay. Cause guess what? Derrick Henry's not coming back in the regular season. Most likely, right? You're not going to get that guy back for the next six, seven games. Uh, Julio Jones is going to miss another couple games. And who knows, even after he misses the, the three minimum games, who knows what it looks like after that? You know, again, you'd be naive to say that you have no worries about that hamstring. It's bothered him all the way dating back to last season. So that is very much a touch and go situation. And we'll see what happens kind of situation with that hamstring. But yeah, I'm concerned. I mean, the running game hasn't looked very good and that's maybe putting it lightly. <laughs> Um, that's, that's being generous that the drop back passing game without Julio and without the threat of Derrick Henry in the backfield ha- has slightly struggled as well. So, um, I, I think it's fair to have some questions. I, I, again, it'd be silly of you not to have questions. Yeah, I think there are definitely questions, but for me personally, I'm just kind of still holding judge withholding judgment for now. I definitely want to see what they look like against the Texans who have a much worse defense. And if the Titans offense comes out and they're moving bodies around in the run game and they're hitting the play action shots and things look good again, then I will chalk up the last two games to a combination of playing against good defenses and figuring it out without Derrick Henry. I thought Adrian Peterson looked better in this game. He seemed to run the ball with a bit more power and a little bit lower, a bit better leverage and was finding little creases and, and getting extra yards. He still has room to improve, no doubt. But I think the more that he runs behind this line, the more comfortable he'll get. Foreman looked explosive. He had that huge catch and run play. The Titans offensive success was really set up by, in addition to that fumble, just a few huge plays that, that, set the the offense up in good territory. The Marcus Johnson 50 yard catch and run and that screen to Foreman were huge plays. As long as the offense can keep getting explosives like that, they can survive until Derrick Henry comes back. If Derrick Henry doesn't come back for the playoffs, which I think is a slim, but possible chance that that happens, that he doesn't come back. Then this team is going to struggle in the playoffs because playoff defenses are going to be a lot better than, what they are going to see this weekend. But if they can get Derrick Henry back and they can just survive long enough and hold off the other teams for the one seed, then I think they'll be fine. And it's really, that's what it's about. It's about the postseason. It's not about being the highest scoring team or getting the prettiest looking wins or blowing out your opponent on a weekly basis. It's just about right now for this Titans team, getting to the playoffs, and then we'll see what kind of noise they can make from there. Hopefully with Julio and Derrick Henry back healthy couple quick points I want to make. Uh, I wanted to say we were talking about the defense, not to take us back, but Christian Fulton, man, Mike, Mike had tweeted this, but pro football focus, 43 snaps in coverage against New Orleans, targeted just once. By the way, it was a, it was a PBU on his one target. So 43 snaps, didn't allow a catch. I mean, welcome back to the lineup, Christian Fulton, right? That's the form that he was in before he went down with a hamstring injury. So nice to see him return and play at that level uh, immediately, right? Picking up where he left off. Uh, I, I did think Foreman was their best running back against the Rams. Nice to see him lead the backfield in carries against New Orleans, right? It was really nice to see because we kind of talked about that. We said, well, you know, he, and he was he was third in carries against LA, right? Even McNichols had more, have more touches of the ball. So nice to see them quickly reverse course there and, and, and use Foreman as sort of, uh, the 1A, maybe to Adrian Peterson's 1B. I agree with you that Peterson did look a little bit better, although I will say it was, uh, in my opinion, more of a baby step forward. Yeah, he wasn't running as high. He did look a little better, but I still have concerns and questions there about the age. I thought his best run of the day, and, and this you know tells you it probably didn't go all that well, but 
it was in the fourth quarter when they were trying to kill clock. I think it was a first and 10 and, and he kind of got the ball. And I, I think it was, he made like a, a, jump, a quick little jump cut, picked up about six yards. I thought that was the best he's looked carrying the ball so far um, as a Tennessee Titan. And last but not least, the last point I wanted to make there is I, as I go on this rant of things, I don't want to forget Marcus Johnson, unbelievable five catches. I believe it was a hundred yards. I mean, looked like the yeah. receiver that a lot of people thought he could be based on what they saw in training camp, right? All you heard throughout July and August was that, you know, and again, Julio was out of course at that time, but all you heard was that Marcus Johnson was the second best receiver on the field or the best receiver on the field for Tennessee was routinely making plays and looking like a starter. Uh, that has not been the case this year. He's battled injury. He's played mostly on special teams, but he stepped in, uh, stepped up to the plate, stepped in for Julio Jones in the starting lineup and was absolutely incredible on Sunday. And a lot of those plays, by the way, a lot of those catches came against New Orleans, number one corner, Marshawn Lattimore. So it's not like he was uh, getting weak coverage. It's not like New Orleans was forgetting about him. No, man, he had Lattimore on him quite a bit and he put Lattimore in a blender a couple of times, right? He made him look silly, turned him inside out. So shout out to Marcus Johnson. That was a terrific game. Easily, ten, I mean, well, well, easily, I take that back because Simmons was so damn good. But I was about to say easily Tennessee's best player on Sunday. But maybe I'll reverse course and say definitely the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and Tannehill didn't have his best day. He wasn't terrible. The interception was really bad. So the flag that took that off the board was huge for the offense because they ended up scoring a couple plays later. But Overall, you know, it's tough to expect too much from him when he doesn't have Henry or Julio. I think that he played well enough to get the team to victory, obviously, because they won the game. So as long as he can continue to do that, again, hopefully against softer defenses, hopefully with better pass protection, there was another failed uh, stunt pickup by Ben Jones and Nate Davis in this game where I don't know what's going on with Nate Davis, but he keeps making these mental errors and he just needs to stop doing that so that the pass protection can can protect Tannehill and they can execute a functioning drop back passing game. But until that happens, I'm going to be worried about the offensive line still, which you hate to be worried about a group that has played so well and together for so much, but they they're making these mental errors. Nate Davis keeps making these mental errors. Taylor Lewan in and out of the game with cramps last weekend. It's just like, that's, a, that's one of my biggest concerns still is that it's grown into week 11 now. And we're still talking about these, these problems on the O line is, they got to they got to clean it up and get ready to play meaningful football. I'm not necessarily suggesting it or advocating for it, but I wonder how close they are or if they'd even consider benching him for Aaron Brewer. Because Brewer's a pretty capable interior offensive lineman. If you'll remember recently, he started at right guard in Davis's place against the Rams. He saw a whole lot of Aaron Donald in that game. Uh, or a fair bit of him, at least. I think Donald rushed on the left side a lot. They identified um, Bobby Hart and said, let's go after him. But but uh, Aaron Brewer played a really good game against the Rams at right guard. So I, I wonder if it, they're even considering that. Yeah, me too. I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know right now. I don't think we're there, but could be not too far off. So let's look ahead now. Again, we did this last week talking about the playoff picture. Titans, of course, still hold the top seed in the AFC right now. They are 1.5, one and a half games ahead of the Buffalo Bills. Titans eight and two. Bills are six and three. The Bills have already had their bye. The Titans have not. That's why it's one and a half games. The Titans have two more wins than the Bills, but only one fewer loss. 
We identified the Ravens last week as the team we thought would be the Titans' biggest competition for the top seed, analyzed their schedule, realized they had a pretty tough road ahead, and then they lost to the Dolphins on Thursday night football. Meanwhile, the Bills, who were, who were coming off that loss to the Jags last week, absolutely demolished the Jets on Sunday. They are now 6-3, and three, as I mentioned, and the Chiefs obliterated the division rival Raiders on Sunday night, and they're now 6-4. and four. So when you look ahead at these two teams' remaining schedules, the Titans obviously have the tiebreaker over both of them, but these have suddenly supplanted Baltimore, in my eyes, as the two teams with by far the best chance of taking the one seed from Tennessee. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of lean towards Buffalo, as being the biggest threat, although I do believe, yeah, although I do believe they do have somewhat of a difficult schedule um, over these next couple of weeks. So I do think they'll drop a game or two and that'll help Tennessee a lot, especially as, you know, assuming they take care of business this weekend and beat Houston and then go into uh, New England will be a difficult game, but then you get the bye. So I don't think Tennessee is really going to let go of the stranglehold that they currently have. Uh, on that number one seed. So I would still say the Bills represent the biggest threat. But outside of that, man, I know Kansas City looks great and and they're starting to get their mojo back clearly and they've won, what, two or three in a row. I I still don't really consider them a threat to get the number one seed. I just don't. I mean, what, they're six and four, Tennessee is eight and two, and Tennessee holds the tiebreaker over them? Yeah, so Tennessee would have to drop three games and and, or three games more than Kansas City. But to me, it's not out of the question that Kansas City runs the table over the rest of this season. And it's not out of the question that the Titans lose three games to, say, the Pats, the Steelers, and the 49ers, who looked really good on Monday Night Football last night. So I'm not saying I expect it to happen. I'm just saying it's in the realm of possibility. I do got to stop you because you're talking about Kansas City running the table. I mean, the Cowboys this week. The Broncos the week after, then the Raiders, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Broncos. I mean, look, the Cowboys can beat them this Sunday, right? So I'm I'm not saying, no, they will, but they can. So we're talking about running the table. You got the Cowboys, who are, I think, a great team and legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And then they they go into the bye week 12, by the way. And then three division uh, games in a row with Denver, Vegas, uh, LA. I don't think they win all three of those divisional games. I mean, I could be wrong, but you know, we know how division games are. They're usually close. They're usually tight. They can be difficult. They've already lost to the Chargers once this year. I don't fear Kansas City running the table. I just don't. I'm not saying I expect them to do it. I'm just saying I would never count Patrick Mahomes and that team out of of this Raiders game being like the game that that snaps them back into being the chiefs that have played in the last two Super Bowls. So we'll see what happens with Kansas city. I do want to throw one more dark horse at you. The new England Patriots are six and four, two games back from Tennessee and play the Titans in new England in two weeks coming off of a Thursday night football mini buy. Cause the Patriots play the in Atlanta this weekend, a pretty decent chance that the Patriots who are on a four game win streak, the second longest active win streak behind the Titans Pretty good chance that these two teams meet in week 12 on the two longest active win streaks. The Titans moving to seven and the Patriots moving to five if they both win their week 11 games. And then if the Patriots beat, which they should, if the Patriots beat the Titans, suddenly they're only one game back 
and have the tiebreaker and aren't missing their best to their best player on offense. So I'm not saying that I expect that to happen. I definitely think the Titans can beat the Patriots. Although I think the circumstances of the, the way that they are meeting this season with the Patriots coming off that mini buy with extra time to prepare for a Titans team that won't have Derrick Henry or Julio Jones that might not have Bud Dupree back, although he wasn't making a huge impact. He was better than, you know, Derek Roberson is going to be. With the Titans by one week in advance, one week away from after this game, where the team that has been waiting 12 weeks to get a week off could be looking ahead a little bit. Now, I don't expect a Mike Vrabel coach team to start looking ahead, but I'm just saying the circumstances of this particular matchup do not fall in the Titans' favor. So we'll see what happens in week 12. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't even previewed the Texans game yet, but. As we look at possible playoff seeding scenarios, the Patriots loom large as a as a contender here. I will say that you bring up a terrific point in terms of the Patriots being a dark horse threat to that number one seed because they're playing really good football right now. And, and you know what made me laugh? I mean, the Draft Network, as you as you guys may know, I, I work for, um, did recently wrote an excellent article on, on the Patriots' win streak and Bill Belichick. And isn't it interesting that? As the league, and again, I know we're getting off topic, so I won't go long with this, but as the league continues to zag or zig, whatever one you want to use with these, you know, getting faster, smaller on the field, you look at what Arizona's doing, spreading defenses out, uh, getting guys like Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, all on the field at the same time. What does Bill Belichick go do? He grabs a fullback. He's got a running back by committee. He's got a bunch of 265-pound linebackers. He's got a pure pocket passer right? As opposed to a quarterback that can create off script, which is all the rage. So as the league is zigging, uh, the Patriots are zagging, you know what I mean? That's pretty interesting to see. And it's working in their favor. Not only, you know, they've won four in a row, taking a little further back, they've won five of their last six. They're a hot football team right now. So I really do appreciate you with the shout out to them being a, a potential threat to the number one seed. One last thing I'll say on Buffalo before we get into this Houston game as you look at their schedule over the next four weeks, because we talked about them potentially, of course, uh, being a threat to that number one seed. They've got the Colts in week 11. No, not, not a gimme. The Saints in week 12. Thursday night, by the way, short week. We know how Thursdays are. They can be incredibly strange. And that's at New Orleans. So it's a road Thursday night game. Uh, then week 13, Monday night against the New England Patriots. The first time those two teams are meeting this season and that series will determine the AFC East, right? Who's going to yep. win it? And by the way, the week after they play New Orleans, they got Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in week 14. So Buffalo gets to play New England without Tom Brady and say, oh, thank God he's not here anymore. We're tired of him owning us. But then they get to go play Tom Brady the following week in Tampa Bay. So, and look, you want to look back, uh, ahead of that, the fall, week 15, uh, Carolina, who... I'm not writing off now that Cam Newton is back. You never know. They got a great defense. Newton might get things moving in the right direction. And week 16, it is the second game against New England. So Buffalo, in my opinion, have an incredibly difficult schedule. Yeah, and there's no team with an easier schedule than the Titans, according to winning percentage right now. So that's definitely a huge advantage that the Titans will have. We'll see if they can actually take care of business. You know, they've done a fantastic job. Six-game winning streak. You know, obviously, if you win three in a row, twice you get the bye, and then you win three in a row in January, you're in the Super Bowl. The Titans have done that twice in a row now, three games in a row. 
five of them against 2020 playoff teams. And I don't expect the Saints to be a 2021 playoff team. So I don't know exactly <laughs> how impressive that stat the is. Saints? But <laughs> yeah, we'll see, man. That you know, what's funny. The, the NFC, those, those, those five teams that are killers. I mean, you might remove the Rams now the way they're playing. But after those five teams, you got three more playoff spots up for grabs that who's it going to be? Who are those three teams going to be? I'm not saying it won't be the Saints. Yeah, I very just, well could be. With their starting quarterback tearing his ACL, whatever. You never know what happens. But my point is the Titans are well positioned now. We've seen them take care of business against the good teams. Can they take care of business and win the games that they're supposed to win? Because they haven't had a game like that except uh, since the Jacksonville Jaguars game, which We're they had to win. win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which started the win streak, and they had to have that win because they were coming off the incredibly embarrassing loss to the Jets. So they haven't necessarily had to, to do the thing where they don't play down to their opponent in a while, right? Like they've had pretty great reason to get up for these last few games. And if they're a really great team who's a Super Bowl contender, they will go out and dominate the Houston Texans. But if anything, I mean... Somebody, I think it might've been Zach or somebody said this in the group chat today that was like, there's nothing good you can learn about the Titans from this matchup, but there is like bad things you can learn, like that they're not as good as we really uh, hope or think that they can be. So I don't know. What are your expectations? There's not a whole lot to talk about with Houston. Laramie Tunsil could be back this week, but his status is still uncertain. If he's not back, this team is lacks almost any star talent. I mean, Brandon Cook's maybe the closest thing to a star that this team even has right now, the Houston Texans. So any expectations for this game, aside from that the Titans should win in their sleep? <laughs> I, I do love what you said earlier, and I wanted, I've been wanting to touch on it the whole time, that this really does serve as an excellent measuring stick for the offense, right? Because they should go out there and move bodies around and open up lanes in the run game and hit explosive plays and march down the field and score 25 to 30 points on and do it offensively, not just because the defense scored a pick six or set you up with short fields. Again, all those things are wonderful, and we're certainly not going to complain if they happen again. But you would really love to see the offense, uh, you know, take the reins in this game and, and really control it from uh, start to finish. Um, with that said, you're right. It's one of those games where you're not going to give them a ton of credit, unfortunately, if they do that. But you will give them a ton of flack if they fail to do that. It's kind of like basketball, right? If you're a basketball fan, how many times do you stand and cheer for a guy making a free throw? You don't do that all that often, right? But when he misses a free throw, you're like, oh, come on, man. How are you going to miss that free throw, right? So it's kind of the same thing as playing the Houston Texans. So um, that's just the way it goes. Regardless, obviously, you want to see them take care of business. You want to see them put up a ton of points and look better on offense than they have um, the past two weeks. In terms of guys to watch on Houston, two guys you didn't mention that I will. And look, I understand this Texans team's not getting a lot of attention. They won week one. They haven't won since. They've lost eight in a row. Two guys I'm looking for is, and I believe they're both healthy. Pardon me if they aren't, but Jonathan Grenard, the defensive end out of the University of Florida, I believe it is. He has come on very strong this season. He's got a bunch of sacks. He's kind of the new guy on that D-line. I think he's got at least six sacks this year. You know, they moved on, of course, from J.J. Watt, Whitney Marcellus. It's a very different-looking group up front for Houston. But Jonathan Renard is a guy that I really liked coming out of college. I was a big fan of his. Uh, as you all know, I do my draft work. 
Um, I think I had him in my top 75 at least, and he's looking quite good for the Texans right now. Another guy that's kind of caught my attention that I think they need to give a couple more opportunities to is rookie ride receiver Nico Collins out of the University of Michigan, a guy that I really liked, again, coming out of college in the 2021 draft. He has been working back into the offense. I believe he missed a couple games hurt at the beginning of the year. I think they need to target him more because when they have in recent weeks, um, some pretty good things have happened for them. So those are the two players I'm watching for Houston on Sunday. This matchup is one between the team with the best record in the AFC against the team with the worst record in the AFC. And those are not ties. Those are the best and the worst Titans. The only eight win team in the AFC, the Texans, the only one win team after the jets managed to beat the Bengals and the Titans. Jacksonville the have two win- Oh, Jacksonville do have two wins. That's right. They won yeah. in London. And then yep. they beat the Bills a couple weeks ago. That's right. They beat the Jets, I think, in London. No, and the Falcons, wasn't it? The Falcons, sorry. No, right. no, no, no. We're, we're both running. Dolphins. The Dolphins, 23-20 victory after yes. the Dolphins uh, were losing and made a comeback. The Falcons then... beat the Jets in London. I, that's where we kind of got confused, too, I think. Too many London games for too many us, London us to games. keep track of. But um, overall, I mean, if the Titans don't dominate the Texans, then we can start signaling the offense alarm bells. We can start giving credit to all these national pundits who are continuing to write off the Titans. I don't know what my least favorite take is, but I really don't like the one that Peter Schrager threw out on Good Morning Football on Tuesday morning, which is have the Packers had to overcome more than the Titans this year. And most of them said, yes, there was a, a guest it may have been Julian Edelman or somebody. I don't know who was on there, but a guest that said, no, the Titans have had to overcome way more. But the fact that they think the Packers have had to overcome more, I think you just it's disregard that completely because what they've had to overcome was self-inflicted. Aaron Rodgers being an asshole to his teammates doesn't <laughs> make that's not something to overcome. Like, that's just yeah, I don't I, I'll be like, I follow the NFL extremely closely and I, I don't even know what they're talking about, like what. I don't even, what if they overcome? I mean, he missed a single game because of COVID. His choice not to get vaccinated and to test positive and, and Adams not his choice to test game. positive, but I mean, his choice to not get vaccinated and then he tests positive. Uh, Adams I missed mean, two games, I think. Um, or maybe it was only one game. Devontae? I think it was only one. Yeah, I think it was only I one. I got him in fantasy. He missed one at most. He missed one. Jair Alexander. The Arizona games. game, the Arizona game, they were down to Devontae and a couple other receivers. Like that, well, you can, you know, you want to color that as some adversity. They're missing three receivers. And but they won that game. So they that won that even... game, and it was one game. <laughs> and then um, um Jair Alexander, Jair Alexander's, I think, still out, or he missed time. I don't know if he's still out. Aaron Jones has got the MCL, mild MCL. And it's sprain. a one to two week thing. It's it's the Darius Smith. Darius Smith is is out, and uh, Rashawn Gary had the dislocated elbow this past. It's not like they haven't had injuries, but I mean, Titans. Well, I mean, where do Derrick we start Henry, and stop with the Titans? Yeah, where do we yeah, stop? That's crazy. Wing, Titans, wings, obviously, the next half an hour talking about the injuries. <laughs> Titans. They've used eighty-two players already this season. It's insane. The NFL record is eighty-four for context, and so that uh, Mike Vrabel told Chris Collinsworth to take the over on that. <laughs> so Mike Vrabel expects to use more players because it's football. Every, there's a hundred percent injury rate as he likes I to say. I wonder how so, that rule works, by the way. Not sorry, not to cut you off, but the 82, do they have to actually I'm assuming they have like it's not just on the roster, do they have to dress for a game? I, I think that's, that's one what thing it that is. I'd be curious about. I think it's active in a in a game. 
That, that's going to make a fun trivia question one day. You want to be a hardcore Titans fan? Name 50 guys that dressed for a game this season. Because you can go to Makai Sargent and Bobby Hart. I'm, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Mason Kinsey dressed. Uh, John Simon. Joe. I think there's a Joe Jones. Now you got Dylan Cole. Exactly. You can give me a look. There's a linebacker, Joe something. Isn't it Joe Jones? That doesn't sound right, but who knows? Maybe. There's been so I, many guys. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a linebacker named something Jones. You don't even know who he is. I think he played this weekend. I think they used him at outside linebacker a couple right, times. I'm Googling Joe Jones Titans. <laughs> you're you're damn right. The Titans signed free agent Joe Jones to the practice <laughs> squad during week two of the 2021 season. Thank you. You don't even know. He, and he played this summer. That's what I mean. Like, the amount of guys that they have gone through, it's it's crazy. Tyson Braylo suited up, like... That'll be and one people forget, obviously. And then retired. <laughs> and then retired. So the amount, like, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch, but guys that have suited up for the Titans in 2021, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's a lot. All right. Let's get out of here with some score predictions. Titans, Texans. Want me to go first? You always go first. What do you got? Yeah, you go, you, you know, you go first because you're going to price is right me again. So we're going to make you 31 7 Titans win. 27-10. Okay. So they cover. Titans 10-point favorites. So hopefully they cover. 27-10. All righty. Anything else to say before we wrap up this episode? No shout-outs this week. You guys want a shout-out, you got to leave us a shout-out, and we'll shout you back out. But not nothing to say five this star week. Five-star review. Not just a shout-out. A five-star review. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will <laughs> shout you out on this show. All and- right. I just want to mention, because people are probably used to it, we did not have a guest this week. You probably noticed. Uh, Justin and I decided to ride. I don't know. Can we say ride solo when there's two of us? I don't know. But ride as a duo, then, I will say. We decided to ride as a duo and knock out this preview show. We will return with an excellent guest next week. I will not ruin um, who it is, but this is a, a, a veteran reporter who's been covering the New England Patriots for a very long time. You probably know who he is, uh, even if you're not a New England fan, which you probably aren't. But regardless, you will likely be familiar with him. And we're excited to bring him on and, and get back into the flow of bringing on guests to cover these episodes. That's right. So I said this before the Jets game and I looked like a fool. I'm going to say it again. We'll be back next week to hopefully recap a dominant Titans victory. <laughs> And preview the Week 12 matchup against the Patriots, which will be a tough game for both teams involved. Until then, you guys can follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I'm at Titans Film Room. Mentioned the five-star review thing. Make sure you're leaving those. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Until next week, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. a Broadway sports media production.